Welcome to Best True Crime Podcast, a division of Best True Crime Books, Games, and Video, LLC. I'm your lead investigator on this case, Judith A. Yates, award-winning true crime author, a criminologist, and a paranormal explorer. Every episode is an investigation where you and I explore true crime, forensics, historic cases, dark history, and criminal theory. We discuss the cases, share information, no chatter, no commercials, no off-topic. Now, grab your crime scene kit, a notebook, and your favorite hat. This is Best True Crime Podcast. Warning. This podcast includes subject matter and language that may be disturbing to some listeners. It is an unsettling subject matter that needs to be examined. Still, I must caution listeners. I have always been fascinated by cults since the Jonestown 1978 mass suicide in Guyana. How does one man make hundreds of human beings commit suicide? Whatever happened to free will? What happened with that group? I understand more as I went through my education and work just how cults create their organization and their blind obedience. And once you're educated about cults, you realize it's actually very simple and very easy to join one. In 2021, I released a book called The Golden People, Into the Cult, My Story. It's a fictional account based on actual events. The story centers around a college-age woman who meets another woman and falls under an almost magnetic hypnotic spell. I purposely created these two characters as a same-sex relationship because I wanted to dispel the myths of stereotyping LGBTQ, and I felt it would be an interesting spin because most cult leaders are male, and recruiters have that ability to shift shape, if you will, to become whatever they need to be in order to recruit new members. Here's the book synopsis. Bored, discontent, and broken, wealthy art student Lillian is at a crossroads. She doesn't fit in anywhere, her self-esteem is lacking, and she's losing her very best friend. An accidental encounter leads her to Ivy, an intriguing girl possessing what Lillian has been seeking, including compelling, sensual encounters. Ivy introduces Lillian to a group calling itself the Golden People, a community that shuns society by creating their own world. The group welcomes Lillian with open arms, bestowing upon her a place to belong. Lillian makes a choice and finds herself swept into the world of the Golden People, living on their compound and quickly adopting into the doctrine. I spent several years investigating and studying the cult phenomena so I could write the Golden People, including interviewing people who have actually been recruited or attempted recruited. Many people have asked me just how someone becomes interested in a cult and why they would take their own life at the group's bidding. Well, at this writing, there's no way to determine the actual number of cults operating in America today because the very definition of the actual word, cult. Most cults don't gain attention or not even discovered until something very tragic occurs, such as a mass suicide or the leader is arrested. Thus, most cults fly under the radar. But according to the International Cultic Studies Association, the definition of a cult is, quote, an ideological organization held together by charismatic relationships and demanding high levels of commitment, end quote. 
So you can see how vague that could actually be. I mean, it could be applied to Jonestown in the late 1970s, or it could even be applied to a business selling items in an effort to become the top seller. How would people even join? Well, it never happens in a vacuum, and it doesn't happen overnight. See, there are steps to recruitment. And while studies of cults label the steps differently, and the steps don't always go in the exact order, the steps do remain chiefly the same in the cult recruitment. First, you want to find somebody at a crossroads. This means the person is questioning their life or for some reason, it may be their sexuality, their social status, their future. They're worried about the state of their world, the future of their country, environmental issues. In other words, this person is, I don't want to say the word confused, but this person is questioning life. Next, we move into what is called soft sell. Cult members can instinctively find people at the crossroads of their lives and begin to sell the group's belief system. Or they'll do this mass sales pitch or meetings and gatherings. They will agree with the person's feelings, no matter what the person says, and show the person a better way of life. And they are going to assure this person that their group has the answers. Now, remember what I always said about crime. It is all about control and power. And you're going to find both at work here in cult membership and cult recruitment. Next, we introduce this person to a new reality. This means this occurs when the person is introduced to the group's way of thinking, their ways of acting, how they live, how they exist, and soon the person's old life is being shed for their new life. Now, how does that work? Well, think about when you join a new group, or maybe you've gone off to college, or you've joined a club, very slowly your thinking, acting, living is going to be adjusted to meet the needs for that organization. For example, you might change your sleep patterns. You might change the way you behave. This is basically a new reality for you, and it's a new way of life. Same as joining a cult. There are buzzwords. The group uses these buzzwords rather than actual words. For example, they are never going to use the word cult to describe themselves. They're going to use very friendly buzzwords like family, members, sisters, brothers. It's going to be a much more pleasant experience and it's going to be very welcoming. And it also indicates their exclusiveness. There's something called the we versus them dynamic where the group creates a barrier between anyone not in the group and the people that are in the group. Now, in my book, The Golden People, they refer to anyone not in the group and government and law enforcement and such as interlopers, meaning they're going to try to infiltrate this happiness that this Golden People group has created. And next we go to the dangling carrot. This group will use something the person wants dearly to lure them in. Now, I always say we want two things in life. We want to be loved and we want to be wealthy. That doesn't necessarily mean love is in the romantic kind or wealthy as in cash. You could be wealthy because you have many good friends. You could be wealthy because your health is great. And you could need love in the way of maybe a mother or a father relationship or a sister. 
So when we talk about wealth or love, that can really vary when trying to recruit somebody into a cult. Uh, it could be friendship, relationships, acceptance, or even a combination of all of the above. What this recruiter is doing is seeing what the potential recruit needs and wants and then molds themselves into whatever that is. There's something called love bombing, which means you are surrounding this potential recruit with all the phrases and words focused on them. In the case of my book, Lillian likes to draw, so she's loved bombed by people going, oh, you're a famous artist. Oh, I've heard you're so great. I can't wait to see your work. Uh, you're so beautiful. You're so kind. Because her self-esteem is so poor, they're going to tell her how pretty she is, how smart she is. Everything coming out of that group's mouth to the potential recruit is going to be positive and said in very loving manners. Finally, we come to membership. Now, the person is now a full-fledged member who has bought into the ideas and behaviors. They're using the buzzwords and they're love-bombing new members. So, now this person comes to what is called membership. They are a full-fledged member who has bought into these ideas and behaviors. They're using the buzzwords. They're love-bombing new members. Basically, they've left their old self, including family and friends, behind. It's an isolation technique. Once in the cult, there is mind and time control. And this means keeping members out of touch with the public and the media. And the group is going to ensure this member does not know dates and times. And in my book, Lillian says, have I been here a week? Have I been here a month? Has it been a few days? Because there are no clocks and no calendars allowed. And again, this is mind and time control. So they are basically owning the recruit's life now. This shifts a member's full attention to the group and not reality also, because they don't have to worry about times and dates and such. And they just be. Then fear and intimidation. Once a person is inside the cult, the cult leader has to be feared, but they also have to be worshipped. And they use that brainwashing technique of punishment then apology to keep the members guessing, thus under their control. You never know when the leader walks in, are they going to be in a good mood? Are they going to be in a bad mood? How should I behave? How should I act? That puts someone at a disadvantage, trying to outguess what you can never guess. Again, it's spiritual brainwashing techniques, and they might claim to be healers or claim to be a deity, or in some way, shape, or form, they're going to declare that they are all this person, this group needs. We're going to kind of veer off here and talk about what exactly is brainwashing. It's been debated for years. It's also called psychological manipulation, and it's the unethical use of persuasion to join a group. It can use all or some of the tactics that I just talked about, but it's basically putting their ideas, their thoughts, their ways of life into a person's head and sort of weeding out the old. Finally, in the cult, sometimes members will come to what's called the realization. Eventually, some members of this cult are going to realize that not all of it is as it seems or as it's supposed to. In other words, the world is not going to end. It keeps going the way it always has. 
the leader doesn't die even though he claims he is going to if you don't do this and this. Life just continues as it always has despite the efforts the group is saying that it's making or the member is not making money. The member then has to decide, do I leave or do I stay with the group that I have grown to love and grown to know? Now let's back up. When I say the member is not making money, what I mean is if you've joined this group who has promised you riches and wealth and boats and cars and a happy family, all you have to do is sell this product and it's so easy you could do it in your sleep. So you pay in, you take the product, you try to sell it and nothing happens. Nobody wants to buy it. So now they're not making any money, so hopefully realization comes in and they think, you know what, this is a scam or this is not for me or it's not as easy as they said it was. During realization, sometimes the group will shun or even physically keep the members from leaving. In Jonestown, with Jim Jones and his cult in Guyana, one of the things they did was they surrounded the perimeter of the group with armed persons. So you had the possibility of being wounded or even killed if you tried to leave. And if you did leave, where would you go? You're in the middle of a jungle. You have no idea where you are ge geographically. And you don't have your passport. You don't have your ID. What are you going to do? You're basically in that isolation. Sometimes cults will end in ruin. And this can include mass suicide or the business shuts down or people just disperse saying, you know what, this is BS. I don't want to give away everything in the book, but I will tell you that some cults end in ruin. Okay, while researching cults, I noticed the dynamics of cult leadership is very much like an abusive spouse in the cycle of violence. And I found that a very interesting dynamic. For example, the abuser keeps the victim in that constant state of guessing. Will the abuser be in a good mood? What will set them off? What will please them? Should I do this? Should I wear that? Should I keep my mouth shut? Should I you know, bring forth these accolades of how wonderful they are? So what's going to piss them off and what's going to make them happy? Well, again, you are never going to outguess and you're never going to figure it out because it shifts. The victim basically lives to please their abuser, follows their rules, gives them the adoration that they need and want, does what they say because life is easier, and it's impossible because the abuser is never going to be emotionally fulfilled. So here's this individual, we'll call them a victim, this individual racing around, racing around trying to fix everything just like the abuser wants it. But of course, it's never going to be that way because the abuser has to be in control and has to keep that person guessing. The abuser controls the victim socially, what to wear, who to speak with, where to go, and even how to behave. And that's what happens when people become so enmeshed in this cult that they almost take on a different persona. It's almost like a split personality where the secondary personality will take over and the victim begins to believe there is just no escape because they have been told for so long that people on the outside, the public, laws, law enforcement, friends, family, the victim just believes no one will understand and they might be correct because if you and I are sitting here and talking 
and you say, well, how can anybody join a cult? How can anybody take their own life like that? I could explain it to you, but if we were in another setting and you asked me that, I might say, well, I have no idea simply because I, I haven't educated myself on this. The victim relies on the abuser for basic needs. Money, shelter, food, even their children's care. They have, again, turned their life over to this abuser. And the abuser physically isolates the victim survivor. No friends, no family, no going to the club anymore, no going to your workout anymore. You're going to stay right here where I can control you. And the same brainwashing technique will occur. And this is important. The victim perceives that the abuser controls if the victim lives or dies. So the victim literally begins believing, and they might be right, that the abuser controls their very life. And in many cases, perception is a reality. I'm afraid to leave because they'll kill me. My book, The Golden People Into the Cult, My Story, can be ordered wherever books are sold. And I hope it will give you insight on understanding just how cults operate and how they work. I do believe the best prevention is always education. Like the lead character in my book, no one ever grows up saying, I want to be in a cult. I want to kill people. For more information and if you need help, there are two organizations I suggest you contact. First is Cult Research and it's online at C-U-L-T-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H dot org. Cultresearch.org. Also, there is the International Cultic Studies Association and it can be found at www.icsahome.com. And the phone number for the International Cultic Studies is 1-239-514-3081. Thank you for listening to Join a Cult, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you for joining me on this investigation, exploring true crime, forensics, historic cases, dark history, and criminal theory. This is Best True Crime Podcast. No chatter, no commercials, no off-topic. I do hope you will subscribe. This podcast runs off donations only. You can drop us a donation, $35 or more, and I'll send you a signed book. Just go to www.besttruecrime.com. My name is Judith A. Yates, award-winning true crime author, a criminologist, and a paranormal explorer. Thank you for joining me on Best True Crime Podcast, a division of Best True Crime Books, Games, and Video, LLC. Be safe out there.